The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. All right, well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Summit Church today. Uh, I'm thrilled that you're here as as people kind of find where they're going to go. I I just want to say where we're at, uh, what we're what we're doing today is, is big because as a church, we've been walking verse by verse through Gospel of John, and we get to John chapter 20 today. And so a couple of things that are great about that. One, we're getting very close to the end. Like the end is in sight. Uh, another great thing about John chapter 20, uh, it begins the account of the resurrection. That Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. You know, it's, it's the beautiful part. It's the part we've all been waiting for. And, and the reason why it's the part we've all been waiting for is because literally... Everything that Jesus has said and everything that Jesus has done would be nullified should he not raise from the dead. The resurrection is the validation of everything that Jesus said and everything that he did. It becomes truth because he conquered death. So without this part, if we stopped at the end of 19, we wouldn't be here. So so we get to go to chapter 20, and the resurrection is this beautiful, beautiful passage of hope. Now, I made the mistake last Sunday, if you were here, of saying, hey, it's going to be great. We're going to have Easter in January. We're going to have a little little mini Easter, going to read about the resurrection. Then I realized Monday, we're going to have like a month of Easter. (laughs) Because all of chapter 20 tells the story of the resurrection. And we're only going to get through the first nine verses today. Then we're going to do verses 10 through 18 next week. So we're going to have like an Easter season through Super Bowl Sunday. It's super because he's alive, you know, like whatever. Um, we're going to get through that, and, and then we'll have like a break, and then we'll have our actual Easter celebration on April the 1st, which is, is anyone else thrown off at April Fool's Day's Easter? Is it anyone else? Is that, you probably haven't looked ahead. Like only preachers look nine months ahead when you, but it's April Fool's Day. I just, we'll have to figure out how to deal with that. But anyway, um, so John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9 today. I think it's important that we understand one quick thing, though. All four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, wrote about the resurrection. They wrote in detail about the resurrection. John, who wrote last, okay, so he had access to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John focuses on a very small portion of the story. The first 18 verses, in fact, other than telling us that Jesus is alive, John focuses on one main character, Mary Magdalene. It's beautiful. He, he compares and contrasts her doubt in the first nine verses with her faith in the next nine verses. It's, it's, really, it's really beautiful. It's a powerful story. But here's the deal. I want us, as a church, to experience the whole picture. And so today I'm probably going to read more scripture than I've read in a long time. Because we're going to pull from John, we're going to walk through the first nine verses, but then we're going to have Matthew, Mark, and Luke painting the rest of the picture for us. Because quite frankly, they tell a little bit fuller version of the resurrection. Not a better version, just a fuller version of the resurrection. So we've been doing that along the way, just to make sure that we're there, that we're experiencing it. And I don't think there's any better moment in history than the moment Sunday morning of the resurrection for us to place ourselves into it and see the hope that comes from it. So that's what we're going to try and do. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9 today, after we pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do and the way that you do it. We ask you to speak to us right now through your word, that we would see the hope that is the resurrection of Jesus and that it would transform us from the inside out. We love you, Jesus, for not just coming to die, but the fact that you are alive and that we have access to you and your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. So Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Transform us from the inside out and let us look more like you. 
We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. John, chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, that is Sunday. So early Sunday morning, while it is still dark outside. So it's morning, but it's dark outside. Some of you know the phenomenon of waking up when it's still dark outside. Others have never experienced that. But, you know, to each their own. There is a morning before the sun comes up, just so you know, it exists. Um, so while it's still dark, Mary Magdalene, remember, John is focusing on her. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So John focuses on one woman. The other gospel writers tell us there was at least three and probably four women that went early in the morning to prepare the body. I, I want to read that, though, so that we understand that there, there's more happening. So let's start with Mark 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, so that would have actually happened at sundown Saturday night, but you don't go to a graveyard in the dark, so, the, you know, first light, Sunday morning, they had us. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so they might go and anoint Jesus' body. So Mark has three women going. Luke actually has a fourth. There's a group of women going with a purpose, first thing Sunday morning, to worship and to further prepare Jesus' body for burial. Now we know from last week that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they did a great job. 75 pounds of spices, aloes, they, they already did it. I, I think the women were going more probably so to worship than, and to pay their respects than, than anything else. The, the body had been prepared, but that's what they went to do. On the way, the conversation is probably pretty drab. It's probably pretty sad. But I know that they are talking about at least one, but I think two obstacles that they're going to face. They have two obstacles coming their way. The first obstacle is that this tomb where Jesus lays is under guard, under Roman guard. Roman soldiers who are there to make sure that nothing fishy happens with this body. There's too much riding on this. We can't just leave this tomb unguarded. So there's Roman soldiers there, so they're at least going to have to get them to give them permission to get into the tomb and, and prepare Jesus' body. So they've got Roman guards. The second problem they've got, there's a big old rock in the way. And this has nothing to do with gender equality. There are women who can work me on the table in the gym. But you got three or four women who are going, that's a big old boulder. And I'm not sure how we're going to get this out of the way. So there's two obstacles. There's two obstacles facing them, and I think the conversation is surrounding around how are they going to get there. It says in Mark chapter 16, verse 3, on the way to the tomb, the women ask each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Which one of us did more Pilates this week? Like, that's... Someone, someone's going to have to squat here. Um, it's kind of amazing, though, church, how when people are walking in faith, how God removes obstacles. Okay? That's it, just, just a good sub little point. When people are walking in faith, when they're walking in obedience, when they're trying to honor God, it's amazing how God removes obstacles. Matthew chapter 28, verses 2 through 4. I think while the women were walking, there was a violent earthquake. What caused this earthquake on Sunday morning? The angel of the Lord came down from heaven. Boom! In doing so, the angel went to the tomb and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. The men... We're scared. <laughs> and so the concern of the women 
walking to the tomb of Jesus is immediately removed. Can't God make a stone so big that he can't move it? Not this time. Not this time. All the obstacles have been removed. Luke chapter 24, verses 3 through 8. But when the women entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. It's got to be disconcerting, right? What are we going to do with all these spices? Wait, who took the body? Wait, where, what is happening here? They, they look in, no Jesus. While they were wondering about this, can you imagine that conversation? While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, that's awesome, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed with their faces to the ground, but the men, and these men were angels, said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Looking in the wrong spot, ladies. He is not here, for he has risen. He has risen. He has risen indeed. You came to a tomb to look for a living person. Bad idea. He won't be here, and he's never going to be here again, because he is very, very much alive. Remember, the angel said, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? Remember how he told you three times while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, he must be crucified, and on the third day he must raise again. Do you, do you not recall when he said that three times, starting about a year and a half ago and most recently just a few days ago, do you not recall? Because that's pretty specific. Going to be handed over to sinners. Going to be crucified. He said the way he would die. He's going to die, and then he's going to raise from the dead. Do you, do you not recall this? Like, I am the worst listener alive. Ask my wife, okay? I forget things all the time. But I think if something was said this big, where someone that I love is predicting their death, and they said it three times the exact same way, and then all of a sudden those events start to unfold, I'm probably not going to go, does anyone remember what he was saying? But the angel reminds them, remember, he told you this while he still was in Galilee. Then they remembered his words. <laughs> That's right. He did say that. The same angelic being speaking in Matthew 28, verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. Tell them the good news. Tell them that Jesus is alive. Go quickly and tell his disciples. Tell them he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him alive. Go tell them this message that I have now told you. Run along, ladies. You've got some great news to go tell some really down people. Now go. Now, all of that transpired between verse 1 and verse 2 in John chapter 20. Okay, so that's why it's important to understand the whole sentence. Stones rolled away, earthquakes, guards scared, angels giving specific messages. Go tell the disciples that he has risen, that he'll meet them in Galilee. Don't leave, wait for him there. There you're going to see him. Very specific message. Now we go to verse 2 in John chapter 20. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the she being Mary Magdalene. Now, was she the fastest one? Is she the only one who took off? No, I think they're all running. 
think Alma running. She may have gotten there first, but remember, John's only focusing on Mary Magdalene. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples. She came to the one that Jesus loved. Remember from our study who that is? The beloved disciple, the one Jesus loved. That's the name John gives himself. (laughs) So she came to Simon Peter, the other disciples, and to John. And here's exactly what she said. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they've put him. Did she get any of the message right? Like even one word of it. Did she even get close? I don't know how long has transpired between this. But it could not have been that long. Now she might be a little oxygen deprived. All right, like She just sprinted. But she rolls in and is supposed to say what? He has risen from the dead and will meet you in Galilee and you'll see him there. And instead she telephone games it and goes, he got stolen and we don't know where the body is. We got a massive problem. Now before we rip Mary, remember there's other people there. And picture this. The hysteria that would have ensued. Now John maybe didn't record it right. Because I believe that what happens is Mary Magdalene, Mary, I believe they throw the door open and they all just start screaming. He's against his life. He's going into this. There's an angel in earthquake. He's body. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I've been excited before. I've been given messages to deliver. I've had to sprint before and talk afterwards. Four people, all elated, screaming the same angelic message or their version of it. And you have the rest of the disciples going, say what? I think it sounded like nonsense. I think the message probably got a little convoluted in the hysteria and the excitement. In fact, I can prove it. Luke 24, verse 11. But they did not believe the women. That's the disciples. They didn't believe them. Why? Because their words seemed to them like nonsense. (laughs) Seemed like crazy talk. Bunch of words. Bunch of gasping. Bunch of moving with hands. Message gets a little diluted. But it was enough to get at least some of the disciples moving. To go investigate, to go figure out what in the world has happened. So at least Peter and John, they take off. They take off to go investigate. They take off to try and go explain what in the world is happening. Verses 3 and 4, back in John 20. So Peter and the other disciple, a.k.a. John, Peter and the other disciple start for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Hashtag brag much? Like, like, okay. You are recording the events of the resurrection of your Lord. And you decide to use an entire verse to let the rest of humanity know that you outran Peter. You know, he started off quick, but in the end, I was able to kick it on. I was going to give all my thanks and praise to my Lord Jesus, Savior. Uh, in him, I can do all things. He gives me strength. Um, it, was, it was a good race, hard fought, but, you know, big people play on big days, you know. I'm just, I'm just, that's what I do. You have got to be kidding me. 
that John feels this is a relevant piece of information for the resurrection account. In case you were wondering who got there first, it was me. Yeah, because that's, that's, you know, when I heard they're running, that's the first thing I thought. Well, who's faster? You know, that's, that, is, that was really important to me. Apparently, John gets there first. Verses 5 through 9. Let's go and finish this out. He bent over. He looked in at the strips of linen that were lying there. Remember, they were placed on Jesus' body. But he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him. Wasn't there yet. He pushed him out of the side and went straight into the tomb. He too saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, that's John, who had reached the tomb first. Get over it, bro! Like, you you got to think that they had some kind of weird rivalry, you know? To drop it in there again is a parenthetical. And just so you know, he got in first, but I beat him there. Who reached the tomb first, also went inside. On the screen, I have this bolded and underlined. I think it's important. John saw, and he believed. He saw the linen strips. He saw the cloth that had covered Jesus. John, a few days earlier, was the only disciple at the cross who saw them remove Jesus' body. Hypothetically, John saw where Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea laid him to rest. John saw this. And now, entering into the tomb, he saw that the body was gone, and he believed. He believed. Now, verse 9 is a parenthetical statement, almost like an editor's note. It's written by John, but it's a little hard to know for sure who he's referring to. When it starts with they, the simplest explanation is that they would be John and Peter. They. But since this is almost an editorial note, and John has obviously been bragging a little bit in this section, I'm decently convinced that the they is everybody else except John. And it says, they still did not understand from Scripture 